Hi, everybody. This is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. I was going through a, a box of stuff in my house and one more misguided attempt to get organized. And I came across a photograph of my maternal grandfather, Isidore A. Brody, who died when I was 15 years old. We didn't talk that much to each other, but suddenly, looking at his picture, I was hearing him again and realizing how much that voice of his, a voice he never raised, still has to say to me after all these years. Today's morning story is about him. It's called Grandfather. Over here, just over there for a little bit over there. Here? Okay. Smile. This was the snapshot I took of Grandfather when he was 75 and I was 10. I remember how nervous we were with each other that day. We'd just come to live with him after five long years in Mexico where my father had lost his health and all our cash. I hope grandfather likes the picture, I remember thinking. Without him, we have no place else to go. The day we arrived, he gave us the ground floor of the house to live on and moved down here to the cellar, to a little apartment he'd remodeled with his own hands. Here was the corner where he kept his bed, over there his desk where he'd sit and read the paper, there behind the boiler was his workshop, with its rows of screws and nails neatly stored in mustard and pickle jars along the shelves. Grandfather, lunch! I'm coming! One of my jobs was to go to the head of the stairs around noon every day and call him up for lunch. And every day as he'd pass me by, I'd wonder what we really had in common. He was big and strong. I was small and unathletic. He loved coarse rye bread, stacks of it, I wouldn't eat a grape if it had seeds. He read and spoke in Russian, Yiddish, and Hebrew. After all my years in exile, different was the last thing I wanted to be. Sometimes after school, I'd come down here to the basement and out of curiosity, look through grandfather's picture albums and listen to his stories of the past. This was Sasha, he'd volunteer, my schoolhood chum from Kiev. Or this was my great uncle Saul, who claimed he spoke to the czar. Or this was your grandmother, Bertha, the day we were married, just before we came to America. But for all his kindness, I always felt a reluctance from him to push his memories on me or intrude in any way on the life we were trying to live upstairs. His world remained a kind of alien planet to me, in a quiet orbit just beneath our own, connected by shared meals, shared smiles, and a respectful distance. Then one day, a few years after we moved in, he had a stroke. One minute he was outside on the street arranging with a friend to cut some lumber. The next he was down on the sidewalk, unable to move or talk. When he recovered enough to leave the hospital, mother moved him to a nursing home a few blocks from our house and we'd see him every day. Usually he'd recognize us and cheerfully ask how we were. But more and more, he'd wander into Russian or Yiddish or Polish and call out to boyhood friends who'd been gone for 60 years or whisper the name of his bride. One afternoon, on my way home from school, I looked up and realized I'd gone to the nursing home instead. He was alone, and as I came in, he shrank from me in fear. I bent closer and realized he'd mistaken me for a Russian police officer. I knew then he'd gone from us completely. Not to the long-lost companions of his youth, but to something I'd never seen in those picture albums. The shadow behind them. The pogroms and persecutions of his earliest years. 
His stroke had stolen him from America and held him fast in the czarist Russia of the late 19th century. This was the suffering that had scarred his childhood. This the persecution that had made his move to the basement seem like nothing. And this the storm of anti-Semitism that had made him so determined to shelter us in all our differences. I started learning Russian in school, and with a few phrases I knew I tried to bring him back. Dedushka, I'd whisper. Sio grandfather, it's all right. And Dedushka Tivamirike, grandfather, you're with us in America. And when my words failed me, I'd hold his hand, trying in spite of my embarrassment to comfort him, and like some emissary from his future, let him know that his life had not ended in the pogroms of his youth. I don't know if I ever reached him. He grew weaker and soon didn't speak at all. He died a few days later, on the anniversary of his wife's death, looking as old as time. After he was gone, none of us went into the basement much. It was hard to look at the desk he wouldn't sit at anymore, the books he wouldn't read, and the pictures of all those people who, now that he was gone, had no one left to remember their name. But I see I was wrong. He never left. Once again, more clearly than I ever could as a child, I hear his voice. I understand his silences. I feel the fullness of his life. A story comes back to me he told me long ago about the sidewalks and the czar. One day, he said, the rumor spread the czar was coming to town. So quick, the police chief yells at us, make two sidewalks for his royal feet. And when the sidewalks were finished, they put guards at every corner to shove us away and keep our footprints from the wet cement. But it was autumn, and even the czar can't boss the falling leaves. So down they came, thousands of them, while the guards stood helpless, and each leaf made a tiny imprint where it fell. Ha! And I bet you those marks are still there in stone, my boy. Now the czar and all his thugs are dust. I think of you, grandfather, and the mark you left on us, how deeply your kindness touched us, how clearly your voice still speaks in me after the silence of so many years. I look again at the picture of your wedding, almost a hundred years ago, just before you fled to America. I hear with you the hooves of hatred at your back. I sense your sorrow at leaving your home behind. I feel your faith in the future, and your certainty that these faces of your family will never fade. And I realize, with surprise and pride, how much I now look like you. That was today's morning story, Grandfather from a Grateful Grandson. I'm in the studio with Gary Mudd. Tony, I really wish I had more one-on-one time with both of my grandfathers. You had a German grandfather. Um, no. The one who thought he was... Swedish and ended up being Norwegian? Or the... That was my uncle. Oh, dear. Well, <laughs> you, you have a great memory, though. I, but for um, the wrong people. Still living, uh-huh. still very upset that he's not Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> I see shades of my grandfather in me. Mm-hmm. You know, the good listener, the, the mm-hmm. sense of humor. Really? That's true. I can remember his laugh. Head back, just big and jovial and happy. There are certain people whose voices I still can hear so clearly. My mother's sister had the kind of laugh that would get you laughing. And she laughed about a lot of the situations that a lot of other people were far too serious about. She would laugh, you know, ha, 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 ha. Then she would take a deep breath and she'd go, 
<laughs> Everybody around her yeah, right. was laughing. She was she was great. She was like this big, warm Coleman stove of a human being. And I still hear her laughter now. We have also been hearing from some of our listeners. We heard from Rob. Over the years now that I've been listening to Morning Stories, it has become one of my favorites. Having lost my father in the last year, I found this Father's Day a little tough. And your story made me feel better. I have hours of video footage from over the years, and I need to go through and make up a reel of all the moments I have with my dad. I have sent a donation to Morning Stories, and I'll keep sending one every month to keep the stories coming. Thanks for what you do. I have a suggestion for you, Rob, if you're listening. If you do get that video together, why don't you send some of it along and let's talk. Maybe there's a a morning story in that. We love to do videos every once in a while. We have them on the website, so maybe that'll be one of them. Absolutely. Let me read an email. It begins with, wow. How can you you not pay attention to a letter? You've got to open that one up, huh? (laughs) So I quote, wow. I've never had an opportunity to listen to your fabulous show. Double wow. (laughs) Thank you. The lot of you must be truly gifted to have the karma and human attraction to receive such wonderful, insightful stories. Thank you from a West Coast PTA mom and a new fan. Everybody's got a really great story to tell if they know you're listening. Another great letter from Alan in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. Your recent conversation with Chinese listener and sometimes storyteller Bonnie Lee, in which she said, Most young people in China are open-minded now. They want to know more about new things from outside China, called to mind an experience from the early 1960s. I was working in the research division of the U.S. Information Agency, doing audience research for The Voice of America. We conducted lotteries in which the listener was invited to send a postcard with a name, address, and the name of the program to which they listened, in return for which the listener would be eligible to win a Zenith Transoceanic Portable Radio, valued at about $400. Ooh. Mm. Imagine what that would cost now. These were offered on programs beamed to many different countries. One was offered in Mandarin, and not a single postcard was received from behind the bamboo curtain. How times have changed. Morning Stories may be doing more for international relations than a lot of other things. I hope you will continue, and I have already sent a small contribution towards this end. Alan, thanks. Bonnie Lee translated one of our podcasts into Chinese. We had that available on our website, and I heard from her the other day, and she's planning to do at least six, seven, eight more. Come to think of it, if there are any of you out there who'd like to translate Morning Stories into another language, please, we'd we'd love to hear from you. One last letter from a, a listener named Andrea about her relationship with her grandmother, Mimi. She and I would ask each other questions that my mother hated. She thought they were too morbid. Would you rather be deaf or blind, I would ask. Mimi would consider it from all angles before she answered, "Mm, deaf, because the thought of her missing the sight of my sweet face was just too much for her to bear. Uh, Would you rather die in your sleep or sitting up playing gin? (laughs) 
<laughs> Would you rather get your fingers slammed in a car door or your hair lit on fire by a 17-year-old track star running with a torch in the 4th of July parade when you're in the crowd in your wheelchair minding your business enjoying yourself? <laughs> she had to think rather deeply about this one. Uh, she'd rather have her hair lit on fire because surely if it got out of control, why, a kindly bystander would put it out. In reality, Mimi had been hit by a train. While traveling with friends from L.A. to San Francisco early on a foggy morning, she had to be blowtorched out of there by three burly, handsome firemen, whom she also described very vividly. Now, the real live wreck left Mimi mostly crippled, but not defeated. In a very brave, Betty Davis sort of way, she got up and made herself walk. Hearing her story and knowing her, I learned that terrible things could happen, but the possibility was never a reason for staying where you are. I'm wrapped in the memory of how she gave to me, more than others, what she had the least, time, a legacy I have been building on with my own grandchildren. What, what a terrific story. And let me tell you, wgbh.org slash morning stories, you can find many terrific stories. We have a complete archive. And as always, please get in touch with us at morningstories at wgbh.org. Don't forget to contribute as well so that we can keep morning stories coming to you. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Over here, just over there for a little bit over there. Here? Okay. Smile.